Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Pray with me right where you are. Father, we do thank you for your word. We are all here gathered together live right now. And so we just ask God that you would instruct us, that you would inspire us. Lord, we pray that you would even shake us, get a hold of our hearts over this issue of evangelism, that this is not for someone else. This is not for those that are extroverts. This is not for the special. This is not for the gifted. This is for your people. And I pray that all of us would have the same conviction about evangelism that you desire for us to have. Not me, not anybody else, but you. Would you give us your heart when we approach this issue? Lord, we simply want to follow you. We want to be who you made us to be. We want to do what you called us to do. No compromise, no looking back, no regret. We just want to move move forward and say yes to what you put in front of us. We pray that you would open your word to us and give us revelation and the grace to follow what it is that your word says. I thank you for our church. I pray for your blessing over every man, woman, and child that we would be connected and committed to what you have for us as Northwest Church. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, A to the men. We have been in a sermon series, and the title of it is called Evangelism is for Everyone, and the implication is you, me, and everybody in between, and we are uh, approaching this from three different ways. I've talked to you about the motive, I've talked to you about the message, and then I'm going to talk to you about the methods. We talked about the gospel message, and I wanted to break that down. I wanted to share that with you clearly from our design, our creation, all the way to our acceptance and, and our receiving of Jesus Christ into our life and the transformation that happens as a result of that. I wanted to lay that out really clearly and make sure that we knew the gospel from the Bible, and then we tried to reduce that down to some statements so that we could potentially share that with people in the future. Prior to that, I talked to you about a, well, a message called Whatever It Takes, and really what we were getting at was the heart of evangelism, which is the heart of the Father. God did whatever it took to rescue sons and daughters back to himself by giving his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. So we talked about God's heart, which is the motivation of evangelism. We talked about the message, which is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our third lesson, and I'm calling this Leading People to Christ. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, leading people to Christ. And this is going to be very practical. And so if you don't have a, a notepad out, you're going to want these notes if you're interested in reviewing this because I'm just going to lay it out really, really practical how we lead people to Christ. And I'm going to give so many principles, you're going to wish that you wrote some stuff down. So here's the deal. Get your notepad out or make somebody in your family be the scribe, but you're going, to make sh you're going to want to take some notes, or you can always email me and get a copy of these notes. 
The practicality of this is I'm going to talk to you about the who, where, why, when, and how of leading people to Christ. Don't you love that? We're just going straight on practical. The first part we want to jump into is who is called to lead people to Christ. Now, grammatically, I'm not sure if that works. Who is called? Who are called? I don't know how you might say that, but who is called to lead people to Christ? And the answer is really simple. Every Christian is called to lead people to Christ. Now, the fact is some of us are going to be more fruitful in that. Some of us are going to lead more people to Christ than others. Maybe some of us will only lead one person to Christ, but it doesn't matter because all of us share in this holy calling of leading people to the Lord Jesus Christ by not only sharing the gospel and showing the gospel, but bringing people to a place where they make that decision and walking them through what that looks like. Now, some of the statistics that I've read suggest that Western Christians, 90% have never led someone to Christ. These are some of the statistics that I've read. I've read many other statistics that say maybe 15 to 20%, some all the way down to actually 11% of Christians rarely, if ever, share their faith with people. Now that, we should have an outcry because of that. This is not something that we should accept. And I think we've kind of lulled to sleep in this area because we haven't recognized who it is that is called to lead people to Christ. We're letting someone else do it rather than ourselves. We are the people of God. We are sons and daughters. We once were lost and now we're found and we can show other people and share with other people how they can be found too. It's not our responsibility to save people. We share and God saves. We may not all be equipped right now to do this very thing, but we are called together and God will give us all that we need to do this very thing that we are talking about. Now, I just want to share with you some passages that you know, but I want to also do it by saying that there are not limitations that are bootstrapped to these passages. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Jesus gave this great commission to his direct disciples, and then they in return gave that to their disciples, and this has been reproducing ever since. You and I have been charged with this same commission, and we need to make sure that we lock this one in. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 through 16 says something similar. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have the same commission. We have the same call. This is for us to go to Everyone, everyone we know, everyone we meet, everyone we have yet to meet, every person is a target for God's redemptive purpose, the reason for which Jesus came. Now, the next question is, where do we go to lead people to Christ? And the answer is everywhere. Jesus said, go into all the world. Jesus said, preach the gospel to all creation everywhere. And that may not mean that you and I can go to every part of the world, but certainly the world that we live in. 
The call is to reach absolutely everyone. And I refer you back to Mark 16, 15. Once again, this is what Jesus literally says. And notice that he says, preach the gospel. He did not say, go and live a good life. He did not say, go and behave. He did not say, go and just make sure you're very moral. I'm not suggesting that we don't want to behave. I'm not saying that we don't want to be moral. I'm just saying, Jesus said, go preach. And sometimes people miss the fact that this came from the words of our Savior. It didn't come from me, not a pushy evangelist of any kind. This came from Jesus himself. Sometimes people say these things that annoy me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a disclaimer, okay? I know you love me, but let me go ahead and say what I feel in my heart because it's how I really feel. I hear people say things like, you know, you can preach the gospel without words, and you can preach the gospel with your life. I've had people say, well, St. Francis of Assisi was credited for saying, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Well, I don't know Francis of Assisi, and I don't know what he said, but I know what Jesus said, and Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. And the gospel is a message just like the five o'clock news. It cannot merely be lived out. It must be spoken out. But there are three problems with this message that we, that we talk about when we think of living the gospel and when necessary, use words. First of all, Francis Assisi never said this, okay? He never said this. Second, I think that this actually goes hand in hand with this postmodern idea that uh, words are empty of any meaning. And I think that we've got to reject the notion that we're not supposed to preach the gospel. I actually think that if you polled people today, even, even young Christians, sometimes I think people actually think that it's, it's brash or it's brazen or it's sometimes flat out arrogant or wrong or, or um, annoying or whatever word they might use to, to somehow preach. And I'm not talking about proclaim on a street corner per se, Maybe you do that, but I'm just talking about speak the gospel. I'm talking about share the gospel. I'm talking about being unashamed of the gospel. I'm talking about helping people around us understand the gospel, educating people about the gospel. The word preach is, we're not just talking about yell and scream and and stand on a stage. We're talking about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're not ashamed. It is the very power of God unto salvation. And so I don't know what Francis of Assisi said, but I know what Jesus said. Now, sometimes when I say all of those things, people get a little offended. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. We should get offended that people have stopped listening to the words of Jesus and started listening to somebody else's words. I'm offended at that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm offended. I'm offended at that. Aren't you? (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Certainly, we want to live a righteous life. Certainly, we want to be good Christians. We want to be moral people. We want to be upstanding citizens. Absolutely. But that's not why the early Christians were murdered. That's not why the early Christians were martyred. They were martyred because they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Men, women, and children. Now, why do we lead people to Christ? Because Jesus told us to do it. That's obviously the most important reason, and it's the only reason that we actually need But we also need to remember that God's primary way of reaching people is using me and using you. And we've got to remember that. We are God's 
plan. He wants to use us to reach people and to share with people. He didn't have to do it the way that he did it. He didn't have to use us. He could have used the angels in heaven, but he chose to use us, which is why we are exhorting one another to be those that share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, when are we supposed to lead people to Christ? Don't you love this practical layout? I just, it makes me feel good. It's very linear, line by line. We're supposed to share the gospel all the time. Now, we could change that statement. You know, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. We could also say, if I said preach the gospel, you would say all the time. And you would say all the time, preach the gospel. Now, both of those work because that's literally what we believe Jesus has told us. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Always. We need to be ready. 2 Timothy 4, 2, Paul encourages young Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Always be ready. He goes on to say, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. One of the reasons that Paul said to Timothy, we do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. He would say this to him because young Timothy was afraid. He was facing persecution. He was facing ridicule, insults, difficulty. He didn't know what was ahead of him. All he knew is his mentor Paul was in chains, shipwrecked, beaten, persecuted, reviled, and Timothy was intimidated by what his future might be. And Paul said to him, Timothy, do not be afraid. We do not have a spirit of fear. And now he goes on to tell him, preach the word, Timothy, even when you're intimidated. That's so important for us as well. Now, how do we lead people to Christ? I know that's what you're wondering. We want to get into the nuts and the bolts. And I have nine principles that I've laid out for you as to how we might do this. And it's just very practical. The first one is we need to embrace the vision of leading people to Christ. Until we embrace that it's part of our heart, until we embrace that it's part of what we do, we will never jump in the river and swim. This has got to be something that we embrace, not just that our church does, but that we as the church do that each one of us somehow shares some responsibility. Whether we pray, we give, we go, we are all a part of this and we are not afraid to take necessary steps, whether we get rejected or not. We gotta be who we are. Can I just tell you that real quickly? Sometimes when I talk to people about sharing the gospel and being unashamed, they look at me and they automatically think, Ben, I can't be like you. And I'm like, great, please do not be like me, okay? We need you, we need me, we need all of us to do what God calls us to do. And we're all gonna carry that differently. But the message is the same. The God is the same. The power of the Holy Spirit is the same. We are not the same. And so we're going to carry the gospel. We're going to share the gospel in who we are. And God wants us to do that. And so we cannot be intimidated by the task by thinking that we're not like other people. Right now, we've got to embrace the vision of sharing the gospel with the person that we are. You don't have to change who you are to embrace this vision. And let me go ahead and say this. If you've not taken the words of Jesus seriously when it comes to this commission, go and preach the gospel, go and make disciples. If you haven't, now I'm saying this with all due respect, if you have not taken those words seriously, friend, let me say to you, it is time to take his words seriously. 
This was the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. This is his will for our life. He is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, that all would come to faith through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not just for us, but for us and our family. Not just for us and our family, but for our neighborhood. Not just for our neighborhood, but for our city. Come on, somebody. Not just for our city, but for our state, for our nation, and for the nations of the world as an inheritance because the Lamb of God was slain so that he might receive his due reward, which is that many, many, many sons and daughters would come to saving knowledge through Jesus Christ. Come on, that's what we need, that's what we want, that's what we are after, and that's the vision that we have to have in our hearts as well. You know, one of the greatest moments in a parent's life is when their children are born. It's kind of an interesting moment. It's, it's mixed with incredible emotion. I can't even imagine what women go through. I mean, I walked with my wife while she went through that. I was, I was a good assistant, dare I say coach, probably not. I was a good assistant. I tried to get her what she needed. I tried to, I tried to be there for her, but she was really the hero of the story. I don't know how women go through nine months of growing to a place where they have another human being inside of them, kicking and consuming resources of their own body and the hormones. And men, can we just stop right now and repent for all of our selfishness and, and just go ahead and pray for our women right now. Women, we love you. We need you. Okay. Literally, we wouldn't be here without you. But there's a moment for, all the, for both parents, men and women, that's just so beautiful, that's so wonderful. When your kids are born, it's like all that it took. And I can say this just from my end. My wife would say this from hers. But all that it took, all that women go through, all that we go through, all that life, life changes, things change. You know, you can't do what you once did and, 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 and there's all kinds of, 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 of time and resources and everything that goes into that. And then that new baby comes out and that you're looking at a, at, a, at a person. You're looking at a person and you look at that child and everything that you've been through, you literally just forget in that moment all of that that you've gone through and now all you can, all you can see is this child and it's, and it's all worth it. It's this beautiful moment. Your heart explodes, emotions go crazy and that feeling, it's indescribable. It's indescribable. The anticipation in those final moments and then just how sweet it is to hold your child and to realize the gift that you have in this baby. I want to tell you that feeling, that sense that you have in those moments is literally how God feels times 100 when one person says yes to Jesus, when a lost son or daughter comes home and gives their heart to the father. It says that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. The angels in heaven rejoice when just one sinner repents and turns to God. There's a party in heaven. We want to have the same vision in our hearts that heaven has over one soul that comes to Christ. That's got to be a passion for us, not something that's a minor detail of Christianity, not something that's for a few among the body of Christ, but it is the main purpose for which we are on mission with Jesus to bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. This is a vision we've got to embrace. The second principle of how we lead people to Christ is we've got to commit ourselves to being equipped now, I don't want to make any assumptions because maybe you're willing to embrace the vision, but you just don't know what to do. Pastor Ben, I don't know how to do this, but we need to get equipped. And maybe that's where you are today. You would say, I don't know where to start. 
I don't know what to do. I don't know what to share, and I don't know how to share it. And I would tell you that you've got to get equipped. And I would say that even more than that, I could remind you that it's more than just a class. It's more than just the teaching when it is how it is that we learn to share and be effective with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if, if you and I were to go to a swimming classroom and learn how to swim in a classroom just like this? Like if you were sitting at home and I was teaching you how to swim and that's all you ever had, that was literally the training that you had. And then one day you actually came to the pool and me as the instructor, I pushed everybody in. All we've had is these online classes. Now we're at the pool and I push everybody in and I just see how it works out. It wouldn't work out very well if you didn't know how to swim. See, theoretically, in our minds, we know how to swim, but we've only been learning, like we've read the book, we've taken the class, but we haven't actually done it. So when I say equipping, what I'm not saying is just learning by hearing, just learning by reading. What I'm saying is is that we've also got to be equipped in doing. And so the expectation here is that as I'm talking about this, we've got to take a step. And, And dare I say this, you and I will never learn how to share the gospel if we don't take what we're talking about and just try. A lot of times we ask questions about how to do something because we're hesitant to actually try and we don't want to fail. I'm going to just go ahead and solve all your problems right now as it relates to this. You and I are going to fail. We are going to get rejected. We are not going to always be successful, but it is worth it if we would just that one time be able to share with somebody and they open their heart to Jesus. That's what this is all about. We need to get equipped. And that's what this class is about. It's to kind of jumpstart the car. You know, this is like hooking the battery cables up to a car that is dead and needs some juice. And you just, you know, you just start the car because the battery cables are enough when connected to another car to start it. But you still got to put it in park. You still got to get going. And so being equipped is learning and it's doing. It's learning and it's doing. The third principle on how we lead people to Christ is we engage people everywhere that we go. As we live life, we've got to learn to be aware of our environment. We can't just be getting from point A to point B. We've got to look people in the eyes. We've got to engage them. One of the most practical things that we can do is start asking people questions. Maybe we're an introvert. Maybe we're not socially integrated as well. It's okay. We can learn how to do that. And I would say start right there. If we're not good with talking with people in places that we go, we've got to learn how to better engage people naturally. Because when we start talking to people about spiritual things, if we've not really engaged them on natural things or just as a normal way of life, we haven't kick-started the questions and observing and recognizing and appreciating and saying thank you to people. If we haven't been engaging people, it makes it a lot harder to share spiritual things with them. So maybe you've got to start right there. We've got to engage people everywhere that we go. Common questions. Ask people how they're doing. How are you doing? When people ask you, how are you doing? You can tell them. You can say, hey, I'm blessed. I'm encouraged. I can't believe it. I have hope and I have peace. And they go, well, why is that? And then it's just an open door to talking about Jesus. And maybe you and I are afraid. We're afraid that people are going to think that we're just religified and that we're those Bible thumping, you know, preaching on the corner Christians. Who cares? 
right? The alternative is that they think nothing of us. We're not trying to make an impression and have people think of us in some certain way. We're trying to make Jesus famous in the earth. He is the king of all the earth, and he's entrusted his message into our hands and into our care. And so all we're really trying to do is just share, and God will save. And we don't know what God will do. There's something supernatural in all of that. So as we learn to engage people, we will see God move in ways that will actually surprise us. And so I encourage you to engage people wherever you go. Number four, we want to be available to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always leading us into conversations. And uh, I'll just go ahead and admit this to you right now. This is fresh off the press. I'm going to admit, admit testimonies, and I'm also going to share with you my failures and, and sometimes when I did not obey the Lord. Today, I, I walked to the store from the church and on my way back, it was raining, and I was, I was moving rather quickly. I had something in my hand, a bag in my hand, and it was a paper bag. And so the bag got so wet that I actually had to lift it like, I had to carry it like this, because otherwise, if I just carried it with one hand, what was in it was going to fall out. So I was a little concerned about that. So it started raining on my way back. I've got my stuff like this. And this woman passes by me, and I have my earphones in, and I'm looking at her, and, and I have this thing where I'm looking if somebody is going to engage, because I've prayed, literally this morning, I prayed, God opened doors, divine appointments, all of that, and so I look at her, but then honestly, I'm, it's raining, and I just want to get back to the church where I'm, I'm working on stuff, and it's ra- I've got this, all this in my hands, and she stops. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I'm just going to admit what happened here. She stops and she turns around and I hear her over my music because, you know, I'm grooving. You know, I'm, I'm grooving. I'm just, hey, I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not showing it on the outside, but I'm partying on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? A Jesus party, people, a Jesus party. She stops. She turns around. I hear her say something over my music and I stop and I turn around and, and I'm struggling with my arms. To, it was really a funny sight. So I touch my earphone and then I actually have to take it out. And she starts talking to me and she says some things that I can't repeat to you. Okay. She talks about how people, somebody almost hit her and she says some very, she uses colorful language. I'll just leave it at that. And it took me off guard. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am, are you okay? And she goes, oh yeah, I'm okay. I'm just trying to tell you to be careful because the people out here are driving crazy and you know, blah, 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 fill in the blank. So anyways, I said, oh, okay, no, thanks. You're just caring for me. I so appreciate that. Oh man, that's great. You know, and she looks at me and I look at her and I said, well, hey, thank you for stopping to share that with me. That's great. And she just goes, yep, I just thought you wanted to know that. You're going to need to know that, sir. And, and so, hey, you have a good day. You have a good day. And then she walks away. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had a moment on the street corner while it was raining, while I had all this stuff on my hands, and God just served it up to me, whether it was all from God or not. It was just served this moment where somebody started talking to me. It's like when somebody knocks on your door. And I'll be honest with you. I just was thinking about moving on, and that's terrible. I shouldn't have done that, but I just kept going. And so you know what? I repent of that right here and right now. It was wrong, and the rest of my walk, I knew I couldn't get back to her. I turned around at some point. I can't see her anymore. It's too late. Lord, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. That was a person I could have talked to about you. And I just want to tell you right now, I'm not perfect at this. 
That's not what I'm presenting tonight. I'm telling you that this has got to be our conviction. And I made a mistake today, and I'm going to try not to do that again. I had an opportunity, and we don't want to miss those opportunities. When we think about being led by the Spirit, if we're going to pray, God open doors, and somebody turns around and starts talking to us, that's what it means to be led by the Spirit, is that we're praying for it, we're asking for Him to move, we're expecting Him to do something. Somebody turns around and starts talking to us, and in the day and age in which we're living, she crossed that six foot barriers, that bubble. Come on, somebody, that social distance bubble. She got into my bubble. I could have shared, you know, the Jesus bubble with her. She could be in the Jesus bubble and get saved, sanctified, and delivered. And I didn't, I didn't do that. I'm being fun with you, but that's the truth. You know, we want to be led by the Spirit, and sometimes we're not looking for His leading. We're looking to get home. We're looking to get where we're going, and we've got to stop doing that. But let, let me go ahead and tell you some possible ways that you might be the Holy Spirit might lead you, okay? And so this is just stuff you've got to be aware of. When somebody brings up something spiritual that you're talking about or that you're talking with a person and they just bring up some random spiritual thing. I had that happen last week. Somebody just randomly brought up some weird, like spiritual new age thing and it was a beautiful on-ramp to sharing my love and relationship with Jesus. See, that's the thing. When somebody brings up something weird spiritually, we don't have to correct them. We just get to talk about the beauty of being in relationship with Jesus. See, that's an opportunity. I never look at that as a bad thing. I'm not worried about what other people believe. I'm just concerned that they understand what I believe. Because if what I believe is true, which it is, then I want to make sure that they hear what I got to say. So when people talk to us about spiritual things or they make spiritual references, Christian or otherwise, it's a great opportunity. When you hear references to God or Jesus that are not biblically based, I mean, it's funny because people will even use Jesus as a cuss word. And you go, you know what? Even though you're not using his name the way that I do, I just, whenever I hear the name of Jesus, I just love to praise his name. And people will look at you and they'll go, man, you're just weird. And you're like, you're right, I am. I'm in love with Jesus. That's exactly right. You know, I don't know how you want to be known, but we've got to stop being afraid. People aren't afraid to cuss. People aren't afraid to say crazy stuff. People aren't afraid to do crazy things, but we tend to be afraid by showing our love and affection for Jesus Christ. And you know what? People do not know what they're saying or doing. I'm just, this is where I'm at. I'm not asking you to be where I am, but sometimes when people will, say, will use Jesus' name as a cuss word, I'll actually have fun with them because Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I'm never trying to get people to just be careful around me. I used to have this job years ago and people would swear and they go, oh, sorry, Ben. And I would just say, hey, look, don't change because of me. I didn't change because of a man or, or a woman in my life. The only reason that I don't do certain things or, or whatever is because I know him. I, I don't want you to just be afraid of me. If, if you're not doing it sincerely of your heart, then don't be worried about me because I'm not trying to create a religious environment where people have to be careful how they are around me. See, what I want is I want them to be able to open their hearts to me. I want people to be where they're at so that I can share with them where I'm at. That's what I'm all about, authenticity. I don't want anybody to be fake. I don't want anybody to act like something. I don't want anybody to pretend. Where you are is where you are. Now, I'm not saying I won't build standards. If somebody does something around one of my kids, I'm gonna say, hey, you know, that's, that's, this, these are children right here. I mean, you know, I'm pretty straightforward, but my point is, is that I'm just a certain way. And so I can mess with people when they're, when they're doing those things, and that can actually be a door for me talking about Jesus because my goal 
is not about creating some perfect environment for non-Christian people to make me feel comfortable. My goal is to infect every person around me with what has infected me. I'm using this pandemic language. I know you like it. That's what we're trying to do. And so when people bring up non-biblically based, you know, references to God or Jesus, I use those all the time. Number three is when someone shares about a problem or a difficulty where I've been delivered, if somebody talks to me about some issue or some trial that they're going through, I've talked to you about how when I get my hair cut, it's an opportunity. I'm in somebody's chair for 20 minutes and I'm paying them. So it's a great opportunity for me to talk to them about something that God's done in my life. And one of the things I used to not talk about, which I do now, is my wife and I obviously have a blended family, and so she was a single teenage mom, and I had the privilege of adopting her two boys and raising them, and then we had two more children, both of ours biological. So we have this blended family. We've got older boys, and we've got kids that are, you know, two other kids, 11 and 13, almost 12 and 14. And so we've got a 27 and 25-year-old, and uh, we've got a mixed family. We've got a biracial family. We've got a multi-generational family. We've got a blended family. And I like to talk to people about that. I never used to because I didn't want to, I didn't want it to look strange for me bringing it up. But now that we're on the other side of parenting our older kids, I bring it up and it's amazing. I remember one time I was talking to a gal who was cutting my hair. She was asking me how many kids I had. And I told her the whole story. I told her about how my kids were, were raised with my wife and I and how my wife gave her life to Jesus and how we're raising our kids to know the Lord and all of this. And she was almost crying. And she says, I have goosebumps all over my body by hear, hearing your story. And I was like, come on, those are Holy Ghost glory bumps. That's what those are. But I got to share with her the love of God through our testimony, my wife and I. And it's really powerful. And so God has used things in my life. God has delivered me from shame. And so I talk to people about shame and how it is that I've come to find my full, my wholehearted acceptance in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. I've, I've gotten to share about how God has delivered me from alcohol and from drug addiction and all that stuff. And it has been a great door opener. So when anybody ever brings up any of that stuff, it is a great opener for me to talk to them. When somebody brings up a sickness or an illness, whether it's theirs or someone else's, that's an opportunity to minister hope. That's an opportunity to share a testimony. Talk about healing. Talk about somebody that you know that's been healed. Talk about how you pray for people and sometimes they get healed. With compassion and with love, ask them if you can pray for them. It opens the door for us to be able to share. Why else would we be able to hear some of these things? See, we're not hearing what people are saying or what's on their hearts just because. So we could say, I'm really sorry about that. We are Christians. We are followers of Jesus. We are saved. We are sanctified. We are healed. We are delivered. And we're supposed to share that bread. God's given us enough to share. And when we hear people talk about something that we know can, we have the answer to, this is an opportunity for us. And that is how the Spirit of God leads us, by allowing us to hear these kinds of things. Also, when someone brings up anything Christian, I mean anything, it could be something simple or silly or maybe somebody, you know, child goes to a Catholic school or whatever it might be. I ask people, you know, are you guys, do you guys believe in Jesus? Are you Christians? Are you followers of Christ? Do you go to a church? I ask these questions. One of the ways that we know whether or not it's the Holy Spirit leading us is by simply asking a question in a moment where something gets brought up. 
And that's where we can take that next step. We don't have to just say, have you heard of Jesus? Have you ever heard the gospel? You, know, you, don't, have to, you don't have to bring out your, your pulpit and start doing the Billy Graham. I mean, I love Billy Graham, but he preached the stadiums, right? It's a dialogue, not a monologue, okay? You, know, you imagine dragging this thing around everywhere. I'm sorry, what was that, sir? Hold on just a minute. Have you heard about Jesus? You know, that's, that's not what we're talking about. But anyways, that would be, that'd be cool. I, I'm just saying you probably don't want to start there. And the final thing about being led by the Holy Spirit is whenever the Holy Spirit leads you to talk to someone or pray for them, no, just if you feel that sense in your heart, just go for it. You say, hey, this might sound strange, but I feel like I'm supposed to talk to you. You know, is everything okay? That's all you got to do. Hey, I just, for some reason, I just, when I saw you, I knew I had to come up and just ask you if you need a prayer for anything. That's all we got to do. The Holy Spirit puts it in our heart and then we just go up to them whenever that might happen. Now, the fifth principle, I'm moving on to a new principle, the fifth principle in how we share uh, the gospel with people or how it is that we lead people to Christ ultimately is we need to use tact, wisdom, and discernment, right? This is really important. I didn't always employ this when I first started out, and I've grown over the years. One of the ways that we use tact and discernment is we don't use Christianese. We don't use language that people don't understand, Like we don't talk about, you know, one of the things I don't say is, have you been saved? You know, if somebody's not a Christian, that language is not something that they usually understand. We're living right now with young people, people under a certain age. They're postmodern. They're post-Christian. They don't get it. They were not raised up in a world that is advocating in the school system or otherwise the name of Jesus, the Bible. All of that's out of the school system. So you got to remember that young people aren't being educated along that line. So we have to remove our Christianese language and we've got to say things that make sense to them. And later as we disciple people, we can help them to understand what the Bible is saying. I'm not saying we don't use biblical terms or we don't use biblical We don't use biblical truth. We've just got to use language that makes sense. We don't say things like, God wants to touch your life. I don't, I don't know. God wants to touch, touch my life. I don't know know if I want God to touch my life. You know, you got to be, because us Pentecostals, we can be pretty guilty of saying some things that people don't know. We could say this in church, but we've got to be really careful. Now, we also just want to ask people questions instead of just making statements. And I, I want to say this to you. You can make a point without making an enemy. All right? And this is something that's very important. I'm going to tell you what happens in this politically charged environment that we're living in right now. Somebody is going to say something to you that politically you do not agree with, and you've got to make a decision. Are you going to take a stand and strengthen your backbone and go after them politically and tell them the truth? Or are you going to start asking questions about their heart? Are you going to start asking questions about their home? Are you going to start asking questions about their situation in life? See, we've got to make a decision. Which one that we're going to go after? For me, I've already made my decision. I'm interested in someone's heart more than I am their head. I'm not trying to convince people of my politics. I'm trying to help people understand my Jesus. And that's what we've got to remember because people's eternity is at stake. If they agree with me or not, when it comes to my politics, I am not going to get riled up because I may have a disagreement with somebody. See, we are all free to disagree, but if we cannot love people, then we're not free at all. And we've got to remember that. There's something powerful about you and I making a decision that we're not going to let things rile us up, especially in this politically charged environment that we're in right now. What if the enemy 
is highly invested in dividing us between the very people that we're called to reach because we're too busy disagreeing that we're not trying to get to their heart. What if the enemy is so vested today in these talking points and these narratives to stir us up, to make us mad, to make us angry, that we're never really figuring out how we can get to people's hearts. We're not thinking of people in human terms, as human beings, as targets of God's love, the reason for which Jesus came, died, was buried, and rose again. We stop thinking about people in terms of God reaching out to them, and we start getting mad because we don't agree with them. I don't agree with every Christian. You don't agree with everything I think, and that's just how this works. And so we've got to somehow bypass that. I'm not saying that we can't have our views. You and I can have our views, but we're, we're going to be challenged at times to have discernment. We're going to be challenged at times to have tact. We're going to be challenged at times to go after their heart instead of their head. Don't you remember the saying that if you come to God, you don't have to clean yourself up? But if you come to him first, he'll clean you up. You remember that saying? We say that to people all the time. Come to God first and he'll clean you up. Why is it that we forget that when it's some kind of charged issue that makes us get riled up? All of a sudden, it's no longer God will clean you up after you come to him. It's that you need to get your life straightened out because this is what's true, right? We've got to be very careful in the world that we're living in that we miss how it is that we actually reach people for Jesus, I mean, it, I, I, I love it. We all want our safe places, but we're far past that at this point. The young people are growing up in this postmodern, post-Christian era, and we're not going to be relevant to them very quickly. And so what I want to do is roll my sleeves up, and I want to get in there, and they're going to say some crazy stuff to me, and I'm going to tolerate all of it because I'm not interested in trying to convert everybody's thinking in a moment because I'm really believing that if I can help them meet Jesus, that Jesus is going to transform them from the inside out. Don't we believe that? I know we do. We used to preach it. We've got to go back to preaching it. Come on, God will make us holy. And we don't have to be holy to come to him. That's what we're, we're talking about today. You could say, well, Ben, there's other things. I know there is. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't address it all in a moment, but you know what I'm trying to say. Number six is uh, employ the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna talk to you, I think, next week about power evangelism, how we minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you ask me how are we gonna reach the young people, I'm gonna tell you one of the main ways we're gonna do it is by having the power of the Holy Spirit because something shifts when a person gets a prophetic word. Something shifts when somebody gets delivered of a demonic spirit. Something shifts when healing happens right in front of their face. That's when young people see, wow, I guess this is really relevant because God is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is still doing what he has always done, and we carry the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to spend the entire next week just on that. Number seven, share testimonies about what God has done for you. Acts chapter one, verse eight says that we are witnesses. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the world. Witnesses testify to what they've seen and what they've heard, not just what they've learned and what they've thought about. Okay, what they've seen and heard, whatever we've experienced in Jesus is what we get to pass on to others. You say, well, Ben, I don't know what to share with people. What have you seen and what have you heard? You are a witness of Jesus in your life to something. And so we've got to learn how to share that and reproduce that in the lives of others. Look what it says in Acts chapter four, verse 20. 
the disciples say in response to them being told they cannot speak anymore of Jesus, they say, sir, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Why? Because it's as real as you are talking to me. You can't stop me from talking about what I've seen and heard because it is real. And we want to share our testimony about coming to Christ. And maybe we stumble and we fumble through that. Write it down if you haven't done that before. One of the things that we've done in MTI is you write out your testimony. You have a long version and you have a short version. But I want to tell you this, you can write it out, but you've got to learn to share it. All you got to do is open your mouth and start talking to people. And maybe you do this. You go, well, um, you know, I was, uh, was bad. It was bad, 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 bad real bad, bad, bad. And then, and, then, and then I met Jesus and it was good. And maybe you start there and you sound not very good. And you're going to learn the next time. You're like, I'm never going to do that again. And that's the reality. You cannot, we cannot learn things unless we start to do them. So write out your testimony. Learn to share it in a condensed form, a five-minute form, a two-minute form, a 30-second form. I can share with people what Jesus has done for me in a really short amount of time. It doesn't take very long. And by the time I'm done sharing it, I can usually tell if that person is interested in having further conversation or not because I've done it many times. That's the key. The more that we do this, the more that we know how to do this. Number eight, we're talking about how it is that we lead people to Christ. These are just principles. Number eight, be courageous and ask people if they want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's important that we actually ask people. And we don't have to apologize for this. Something when I first started out in ministry, I led a lot of people to the Lord the first two years of my Christian life. I mean, a lot of people, probably hundreds, honestly. And I was traveling around to prisons. I was on the streets. I was calling up old friends. I led a lot of people to Jesus during that time. And the reality was, is that I was a little shy when it came to sealing the deal, closing the deal, saying, do you want to receive Jesus? And I had to get past that. I had to just share and know that God would save. And so I would come to this place where, I'd, where I would say to somebody, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Is that a decision that you're ready to make? That's literally the way that I say it. And a person says, yes or no. And I will tell them, I'll say, I'm not asking you because I want to force you to make this decision. But if there's something in your heart right now that is saying, this is what I need to do, that is God speaking to you. And if that's where you're at, I'm telling you, God is calling you and he's asking you to make that decision. Are you ready to make that decision? Because we can pray right now to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He'll forgive you for your sins. He'll seal you with the Holy Spirit, and you will be with him forever in eternity from this day forward. But it's a decision that you have to make. Are you ready to make that decision? And I've done that many, many, many times, and I'm, I'm gonna give you a confession. There have been times where I've asked that question and I was fully expecting somebody to say no. You could, on their face, you would see it. I totally was reading them. I thought they were gonna say no. And a person goes, yeah, I'm ready to pray that prayer. Yeah, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> you know, I'm like, you sure? <laughs> you know, I'm almost, I'm almost taught my uncertainty is challenging their certainty. And I, was t I just wanna tell you, don't do that. Just, just inside you can say, really? But just keep a straight face and pray with them. I don't call it the, prayer, the sinner's prayer. I call it the prayer of salvation. And when I pray the prayer of salvation with somebody, I just say, you can just follow me in this prayer. It's not about the prayer. 
It's about somebody confessing, Romans 10, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in their heart that God raised them from the dead. I lead them in confession. Jesus, I believe that you came, that you died for the forgiveness of my sins, and that you rose again. And I thank you right now for your forgiveness. And I lead them in repentance. I turn away from going my way and I turn towards you. And I ask now that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. And you know what God says? Yes and amen every single time. You know why? Because it's his idea and not mine. I'm just trying to lead them in a biblical prayer. It's not about the prayer. It's about the confession. It's about the faith. And the prayer is just expressing the faith that is already in the heart. It's the same as baptism. Baptism, it's not about the water. It's that they are expressing that they've died with Christ and they've been raised to new life. It's a powerful physical act in obedience to Jesus that is indicative and signifying what has already taken place in the heart. We are following him into obedience. And that's why I pray the prayer with people. And people will say sometimes, it's not about a prayer. You don't need to pray a prayer. It's not about needing to pray a prayer. It's about leading someone in prayer to express the faith that is in their heart, the confession that is on their lips and what God is doing. And this is so vital. Number nine is we follow up with people. If we've led someone to Christ, we've prayed the salvation prayer, this isn't, this isn't where it ends. We want to disciple them. My vision is to baptize them. It's to lead their spouse to Christ. It's to see all of them come into the baptism waters. It's to make sure that everybody has a legitimate opportunity to come to know Jesus. This is what it's all about. We want to follow up with people because we have a vision to seeing them become family because that's what the Bible says that we are. As I close, I just want to simply say this to you. That this leading people to Christ has got to become our vision. This is what this is about. We are on mission with Jesus to see lost people get saved, lost people be found, disciples made, and the lost saved. That's what we're about. There's nothing greater than that. There is literally nothing greater than that in terms of what we are called to do as the people of Jesus. It's what sent Jesus from heaven to earth. It's what caused the Father to be willing to give the Son, the precious sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you and for me. This has got to be our heart. We want to lead people to Christ. Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name that you would give us the same heart that we see in you. We thank you, Lord, for how it is that you're leading us as a church, that you're opening our eyes to Federal Way, to Auburn, to Kent, to Des Moines, to SeaTac, to Milton and Edgewood, and Lord, Tacoma, beyond that, Lord, we thank you that you're opening our eyes, that this is our local mission field, and that you've called us to lead people to Jesus and Jesus to people. And God, maybe we haven't seen a lot of fruit recently, but we know that as we pray and as we sow and as we share, that you will save. And we ask you that you would give us your heart. God, I pray that you would give us passion to see people come to Christ. Give us discernment. Help us to know how to be led by the Holy Spirit. I pray that we could recapture that love, God, that grabbed a hold of us, that laid hold of us, that we also would see other people through your eyes. I just pray that a passion would sweep through us, would take over in us and draw out of us 
the very best that we could give away to people. God, I pray that we would work through what bottlenecks us, what causes us to be tongue-tied or fearful. We would work through all that so that we would be amazed that when we simply share with people what you've done in our lives, what we know about you, what is true, what your word says, as we share it in a relational way, in an organic way, in a real way, that you will save people's lives. That we're talking people off of the ledge, bringing them back into the house, telling them that there is hope. And no matter what crazy things they say when they're standing out there on the ledge, Lord, we're not offended by it because we're just trying to talk them back. We're just trying to get them to a place where they recognize that somebody cares, that somebody loves them, and that is you. And I pray, God, that we would be that negotiator. We would be that medium. We would be that person to talk people off the ledge and bring them back into a loving home, telling them that you created them that you paid a price for them, that you're calling them home, God. I pray the same way that you got hold of us, I pray that we would also go and get hold of others. Father, give us that passion. Evangelism is for everyone. It's for us. It's for all of us. I was thinking, um, I have this picture in my mind. I don't know if you've... uh, ever lost something kind of small. We all probably have. I I remember one time... uh, I lost my, my key fob to our van. And this was the van that we had a couple, several years ago, actually. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, you, you have one of those. It's the one that opens the car doors. You still have a key, but when you lose that key fob, it's like convenience, it's access, and it's expensive. And I looked all around the house for it. I tried to find the key fob. It was really serious about it. I didn't want to buy another one. And I couldn't find it. I even went to the gym. I remember I went to the gym and I was looking all for it at the gym. And I, I, I have no idea to this day where that key fob was. And after I did all of that, I remember that I went to sleep that night and I woke up the next morning and I decided from then on, I'm just going to use my key and I'm not going to have a key fob anymore. And I didn't. I didn't get another one. And you know what happened? Nothing. Life went on and I just didn't have a key fob. And that's what happens when you lose something small. When we lose small things in our lives, we try to find them. We might make a good faith effort and we just leave it behind. But what would happen if we lost, let's say, one of our children? We were at Disneyland or we're at the store and all of a sudden we look behind and our smallest child is no longer there. What would happen? We'd freak out. Would we ever stop looking for them? We go the whole day looking for our child throughout Disneyland? And we're trying to find them. We're calling everybody. We're on the phone with the police. We're on the phone with security. We're going to every information spot that you can go to and nobody can find them. Are you going to go to sleep that night? How about the next day? Would we go to sleep the next day? I know this is a crazy thing to ask, but would we ever sleep well if we lost something as precious as a child? You know, the answer to that is no. See, the reality is we could lose something small and it wouldn't matter. But if we lost something as precious as a child, we would never be the same again. Now, I want to say this to you. God created human beings in his image, and we walked away from him. And we are precious in his sight. Every person from every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue is precious in the eyes of God. And he sent Jesus Christ, his son, because God lost all of us. We walked away. And in that, we are lost. 
And God said, I'm not just going to let this happen, but I'm going to give everything. I'm going to put all of heaven behind it. I'm going to give everything. My son, Jesus Christ. And he gave everything for us because he wants to bring us back. The heart of God as a rescuer to bring lost sons and daughters back into relationship with him. That's the heart that we've got to have in this world and not be distracted by lesser things. We cannot allow church to become something other than what it truly is about. It's about the called out ones, the ecclesia, the people of God, those that have been set apart through the blood of Jesus to be his very own children. Now we've been awakened and we are now mindful that everyone else can hear the good news that Jesus came, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins because our heavenly father was not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. This is the heart that God wants us to have. And I want us to ask for that. I want us to ask for that heart. Would you ask for that heart? Let's lay all of our excuses down. Would, would we ask as a church, as individuals, as families for that heart? Father, we pray again. We pray for that heart. We see that you're a rescuer. And God, sometimes we're distracted. Sometimes we're inoculated. We're entertained. We're, so much occupies our life and our time. But I just pray, God, that you would lead us back. Lead us back to a place where we see what you saw. You saw all of our sin, Lord, and you said, now I'm going to send my son. Our sin came up before you, and your answer was to give your best. It was to give your all. That just doesn't make sense to me. And I confess that that is not the life that I've lived. That is not the way that I've been. That is not the heart that I've always had. Even as a follower of Jesus even as your son. And I pray, God, for me and for our church that you would give that back to us in Jesus' mighty name. If you prayed that prayer and if you're asking for that passion, would you say something? Let's just express it right now. Right on social media, just say, I've, I've, I literally meant that prayer. I, I want that passion. I'm not asking if you're saved. I'm not asking if you know Jesus. I'm not asking if you repented of something serious that's just holding you back. I'm just saying, if you've asked for that passion, would you say, I asked for that passion. Just say passion. As we prayed, I believe I received some words from the Lord. And um, one of them is this, is that I just saw someone that was just bound by bitterness. And uh, I had a picture while I was praying, a prophetic picture of someone that was just, they, it was like they just were cringing just at every little thing. They were just cringing and, and, and it had gotten worse over time. And this was the word that as I prayed over this picture, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, in the last few days, you had an awareness of this bitterness that has been growing in your life. Now this would be, some of us maybe we could say, Ben, I've had bitterness in my life. That's, I'm not necessarily talking to general bitterness. In the last few days, this week, you've been made aware Something maybe has happened that's caused an awareness that you have this cringing inside of you. Maybe it's against someone and you realized it and it's grown and it's gotten stronger and maybe it surprised you a little bit. Like, wow, I didn't think 
that that was that strong. And right now, here's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying, that you need to soften your heart and respond to him tonight. That if you respond to him, he will soften your heart. We respond and he does the work. Watch what he'll do when you simply just put it before him and ask for him to soften you, that you would not stay bitter, but that you would give it to him. And you know what? The Holy Spirit always leads us with wisdom as to what we are to do in our next steps. I may not give you that wisdom. I don't know. But what I do know is the first step is always in giving it to God. The next thing comes what God will do. The second thing that I saw, and this is an interesting one. I don't think I've ever said this at Northwest before. Somebody that's watching, or maybe you're watching this afterwards, I don't know. But you're, you received a call to vocational ministry, to being a pastor or somehow ministering to the people of God and with the people of God. And over the years, that call has just kind of evaded you. Maybe it never manifested. And you felt kind of discouraged. It's like in the back of your mind. And it's kind of been every now and again presenting itself to you like a little bit of shame, a little bit of discouragement, just pecking away at you. Maybe you were involved before and somehow it didn't work out and you just went on with life, but there's that little thing in the back of you. Here's what I'm saying to you today is maybe ministry did not look like you thought it was going to, but here's what the Lord would say to you tonight, that God is using you and God will use you even more. And he wants to break the discouragement that's on your life and he wants to continue to open you up to the opportunities that may not look like what you once thought, but God is gonna use your life for his ministry purposes. And he'll open doors as you continue to humble yourself and follow him. It may not look like it's you thought it would, but God is gonna use your life. And if that's you, friend, I just want you to know, in Jesus' name, God breaks the discouragement over you right now. And there's a delivering work that you're gonna sense. And God, I just pray that you would manifest your presence to this person or these people that resonate with this word right now. We pray, God, that just that warmth, that, that heat of the spirit, that I just feel like you're gonna actually experience that. I know it sounds strange to say that, but the Holy Spirit will manifest his presence to you at times. You'll sense him, you'll feel his presence. And I believe right now, you're gonna feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is in this room, right, as we're speaking this. And that's an interesting thing. When the anointing comes, I believe we speak words that are not just mere words of man. They're words that can be tested and weighed and shown fruitful in our own lives. So receive that deliverance of that discouragement right now, the breaking of the shame right now, and the rising up and that courage to lay hold of what God has called you to. Let it look differently, Lord. Let it look differently. But may it be that you minister as God's called you. Now, this is a sensitive one, and I say this um, as humbly as I can, but I Somebody's used the word divorce in your home one too many times. You're married right now, husband and wife. You've used that word. You've used the divorce word with each other. And here's what I believe the Lord's saying is that that word is like a curse. And it's affected and infected you in negative ways. And the Lord wants to break the power of that. He wants to release you of that right now. That that word would never be used again in your home. God can restore our marriage God can restore our hearts. God can restore our homes. It requires great humility in our lives. It requires repentance in our lives. But there is a path marked out for us. 
If we truly want to thrive with our spouse, if we truly want to have a good marriage, if we want to have a good home, if we want to have a respectable example, if we want to leave a legacy behind and not allow the enemy in, God can break the curse of that word. And maybe it is that you were divorced and you feel like you have a curse over your life. God can break the power of that over you right now. So we pray right now for those that are married, that are struggling maybe a little bit, or maybe they've exchanged that word and it's caused some dissension, some division. We break that curse over that home right now in Jesus' name. We remove that word out of their mouths and out of their minds, and we pray, Lord, that you would drop hope and encouragement and faith and shalom, the peace of the Lord be yours because of what he does, not because of what we have done. If we all got what we deserve, we would not be in a good spot. But here's what the Lord will do. God will release something to us that we did not earn and we do not deserve. He'll call us to take the next steps. He'll call us to take the next steps. God's going to give you a new vision for your marriage. His vision is oneness, togetherness, harmony, unity. We would go forth together as one. God wants to give you that vision for your home and for your marriage. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I want to pray for anybody that needs healing. And I just had this picture in my mind as we close that if you have somebody in your home, maybe you're by yourself, but if there's something that you need healing for, and maybe the Lord will give us words of knowledge, but right now, would you go ahead and just, in homes, we can do this. Would you lay hands on the person that needs healing? Would you lay hands on that person that's struggling right now, whatever it might be? Just put your hand on their shoulder or wherever. Just, just touch them right now. And if it's you, just go ahead and put your own hand. Lay, lay hands on yourself. And by faith as a community, we right now pray in Jesus' mighty name. We pray, God, that you would pour out your healing power. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would release the gift of healing, that you would minister life over everybody right now. We just ask that you would break the power of those headaches, those migraines, that they won't go away. We pray, God, that that person would not have to use that medication anymore. Thank you, God, for freedom. We speak freedom over them right now from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for that shoulder right now all the way up just to the neck area, left side. We pray healing in Jesus' mighty name. Come and release those joints, those muscles, and bring healing power. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Right now, come. Somebody was in an accident. It looks like you were on a bike or something like that. And somehow you took a fall, you took a dive, and you've just been racked with pain right now. We ask, Lord, release them of pain in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Undo the effects of that accident and bring healing power. I see somebody driving a car right now and even just pressing on the gas, pressing on the brake. Father, we, bring, we ask for you bring healing right now in Jesus' name to like the legs, the knees, that whole area, Lord. We just pray. The knees in particular bring healing power. We thank you for your testimony. Release your anointing, God. Come Holy Spirit, be poured out upon us as your church. We receive the healing of the Lord. By his stripes, we have been made whole. We are healed in Jesus' mighty name. We receive what you do in our bodies as a sign and a witness that you are still doing what you have always done. We thank you. Be healed in Jesus' name. 
I don't want to push anybody to be what they're not. And I would never want to push anybody to do what they cannot do. But I would be lying to you if I didn't say that I feel like the body of Christ in our nation and worldwide has lost sight of what her purpose is. In my heart, I believe that. I'm not saying it to get emotion from anybody or whether you like or don't like what I'm saying. I I believe this. If you were sitting with me for coffee, I, I think that we've lost sight of what we're all about. We've lost sight of the joy of our own salvation, being reminded of what God did for us and what that means for us. When the saved sit, there's something something bad that happens. When those that know Jesus don't share Jesus, the light of the world grows a little bit more dim. And I'm concerned about that. And so if you feel it in my preaching, if you feel it in my sharing, it's not about anybody else. I'm not trying to put anybody down or push anybody or even say that I'm doing it right because I'm not. I'm simply saying that we cannot lose sight of what God has called us to do. But it starts with acknowledging it. I shared with you a story where I blew it today. I was going to preach this, I'm preaching this tonight, and I had a prime opportunity, and I blew it. And I don't want to accept that, that that's my way, and that's okay, and it doesn't matter. It does matter. And I'm not going to allow myself to not live in the tension of sometimes what I do and what I need to do. I will not allow myself to live in the the tension, to not live in this tension of where I need to be and just become casual. That's not okay. And so I just, I'm saying all this to say that we in this season cannot lose sight of what God is trying to show us. He is trying to show the church what it means to be the church And I want to be a part of that. I love our church. I believe our church is missional. I believe our church is generous. I believe our church loves Jesus. I believe we want to know the word. I believe we want people to know the Lord. But God is pushing us. Friends, I feel it. He's pushing us. He's saying there is more through us. Not just for us to learn and know. Not just for us to write down. But for us to be a part of for us to engage, for us to share, for us to experience, and for us to see as a testimony of the Lord. And if you ask me if I had a prophecy for us, I do. I have a prophecy that we are going to get to participate in an extraordinary work of God in seeing people come to Christ, and that is the revival that we are hungry for. And we're going to get to see a part of that. We're going to get to be a part of that. This is what I desire. Now, that's a prophecy that I can claim. That's a prophecy that I can believe. That's a prophecy that I can press into, pray into, and believe with you that God will do it in our day and in our time for his glory. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for our church. And I pray, God, as you look at our church, as you see us, Lord, that you would see us on our knees crying out to you for the people of the earth to come into relationship with you. I pray that when you see our hearts, that our hearts would grieve that people don't know you. I pray that when you see our wallets, that you would see our resources going 
to see the gospel go around the world. I pray that when you see our time, that you would see it going to prayer, that you would see it going to missions, that you would see it going to sharing and caring for other people. I pray, God, that you would bring us to a place where we would be all about your mission. It's why we are together. It's why we are in this moment. It's what we're about. It's what you've called us to. So with evangelism and discipleship, the wedding and the marriage, help us to move into that place of seeing more people saved and disciples being made. We thank you, Lord, that you're prophesying that over our church. And that is what we pray into today. We thank you, Lord, that you will do it as we continue to step out in faith. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.